Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you listen live via the live stream found on ESPNTucson.com, we appreciate you spending your time here. We know you have a choice of where to uh, listen and get your sports information in the mornings. And we appreciate you keeping it local here as Tucson's only local morning sports talk show right here on ESPN Tucson. Uh, also, uh, some programming notes for today. The Diamondbacks game, which starts at 540, D-backs on the road. They, uh, their first pitch is at 540. We will be joining that game in progress immediately following Spears and Ali, which you can, of course, hear every weekday here from 3 to 6. So you'll miss the first 20 minutes of the game. If that's what you're looking for, for some live baseball coverage, we got you covered here at ESPN Tucson. Still coming up here in hour number two, I got another pair of tickets to go see Gabriel Iglesias to give away. Be listening for your cue to call for that as um, we had two pairs to give away today because of the day that I missed yesterday, unfortunately. Under the weather, feeling a little bit, but at least good enough today to do a radio show and uh, nurse my way into the scrimmage for tomorrow night. Of course, Arizona football's big under the lights scrimmage tomorrow night at 7.30 p.m. at Arizona Stadium. Be there. Be in attendance. Support your team. Support this coaching staff who has given their all this offseason to reinvigorate the city of Tucson around this football program. Speaking of the football program, what are things going to look like in the coming months, the coming years Gosh, maybe even as early as next week, if you're understanding and reading and liking what you hear out of Nicole Auerbach's mouth, uh, as she, uh, uh, listen, a, a very good college football, covers college football for uh, The Athletic. She has a radio show on Sirius XM, and she does a great job in, in uh, getting the contacts necessary to uh, discuss these kind of things, get some of the, some of the inside information. And she launched a, an article this morning uh, just a few hours ago that I was able to read through before the show today on The Athletic. And she says that according to sources, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC are expected to make a formal announcement about their alliance perhaps as early as next week. This is from multiple sources. They're not sure of specifically what the announcement is going to, to detail uh, because there are so many details that need to be ironed out, of course. Uh, but administrators in all three leagues have really stressed in recent conversations that issues of governance can and should be front and center. So what does this mean? Let's, let's break down you know, parts of the article here. And she does a great job of detailing exactly what it means for these three conferences. The schools within these conferences, the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, believe that they are like-minded, meaning that they will prioritize they will prioritize all sports all all of the athletic departments all of the sports uh, on on campus and that the academic profile of their institutions are what matter above all okay now there may be a few outliers out there um, in 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 each of the conferences there's, there's certainly a few out there i think that that stand out and they're like eh, maybe academics isn't like the most important thing um, i won't point out certain schools. I don't want to get people mad at me. But I will say that that for the most part of those three conferences, yes, those those particular priorities do align. Um, the Big Ten has, uh, let's see, the Big Ten 
averages 24.8 sports per campus. The ACC averages 23.8, and the Pac-12 offers an average of 23 sports per campus. Up, and that's way above what the Big 12 and the SEC. SEC is at 19 sports per per uh, per campus. So the these schools, these three uh, conferences, the schools in these three conferences do share those same types of, of priorities as far as having a broader spectrum of sports offered to their student-athletes. And they have for a long time. Obviously, the Pac-12 does a great job with the uh, the uh, Olympic sports. And then the, the Midwest and the East Coast, they have different, you know, uh, wrestling and, and uh, lacrosse and things like that. So when you look at these three conferences, it's important that all three of them kind of stick together. And some people may look at it as a three versus one, okay, where basically – they no one's going to be able to compete with the SEC on a football level, okay? And basketball-wise, it's getting pretty rough too. Like they're they're starting to dominate the world of college basketball as well. They're new, so there's some of that you know some of that aspect to it. Uh, but they are beginning to have some uh, and assert some dominance in the world of college basketball. Big time coaches, they're getting big time recruits. They're sending more teams to the to the Final Fours uh, into the NCAA tournament. So. Um, Basketball is, is becoming a, a problem when dealing with the SEC when it did not used to be. It was Kentucky and then everybody else. So these three conferences, you may look at it as, as a three-to-one, like us versus the SEC. And you could certainly make a case for why that's important. Uh, I, I think it's, it's going to require all three of these conferences to be able to make something substantial enough to be able to compete on a level, at least revenue-wise, regarding football and basketball uh, with the SEC. They have to find a way to answer a multi-million dollar question. Why choose these three conferences in some kind of an alliance over the SEC? Why would television executives want to choose these three conferences over the SEC? They are going to offer a lot of other things, of course, and you have to find the right buyer. I mean, you always say something is worth what someone is willing to pay for it. And right now, the Pac-12 is not worth a whole lot. We discussed that last week. We've seen the numbers. We know the difference between uh, you know, how far the Pac-12 falls off as far as viewership goes. So the Pac-12 is going to have to hitch their wagon and be almost like a little brother in certain aspects. And I don't mean in a competitive standpoint. I mean just as far as people being interested in the product, okay? The Pac-12 is going to, going to be kind of treated as like, we're going to bring you along, but you better have some good plans and you better be able to bring something to the table because this is more, not a, I don't want to say it's a courtesy, but it's more like you guys have been there for us, we're going to bring you along with us in this expansion. So when these three, and, and there will be an alliance, we, I mean, look, this is, this is, going to happen. Something is going to happen. I don't know how specific the announcement is going to be if, if it does come next week, but there's something coming. And it's been talked about for, for weeks now. Ever since the SEC, Oklahoma and Texas dropped that bomb on everybody and was like, those two schools are leaving the Big 12 and going to form this gigantic mega conference uh, as far as football goes in the SEC. Again, we're talking football. There's There's no question that College football is what drives the revenue in college sports, okay? It is the, the, the breadwinner far and away over the other sports. 
but it doesn't mean that you should ignore the other sports. It's important to keep those other sports on your campus, which is why, again, I, I, I will continue to support Pac-12 and other conferences that do embrace those types of things. And, the NCAA, and, and look, the SEC, it's not like they just have football and basketball and that's it. They have a lot of other sports as well. As I mentioned, they average 19 across the board in that conference. But when you're talking about the other conferences, it's like 24 and 23 per, per campus. It's, it's quite a difference. So talking about this alliance, essentially, what, like, how does the NCAA, how, like, where do they fit in? Obviously, they've lost a lot of clout over the recent years. They, they've lost a lot of their power. And it's not, it's not necessarily only because of circumstances, okay? It's not, it's not been circumstantial loss of, of power. They have willingly given it up. And uh, in many cases, in the face of when these conferences needed them most, specifically last year, during the pandemic, when the conferences turned to the NCAA, this governing body that is there to to help and assist and lead, and they just handed them the bag and they said, "Here you go, deal with it on your own." Left them left them standing there at the altar, and was like, "We're we're just going to go huddle. Oh, we got to go shelter in place now, and you guys can figure it out on your own. How how you're going to play football and basketball is up to you." Well, thanks a lot. I mean, if, if you were listening last year during the, the final few days of my show before the, everything happened, before the shutdown happened, uh, you remember just how angry I was with the NCAA for doing this. And I still am angry with the NCAA for doing this, and I will, I will not respect them probably ever again. They've, they've, they've pretty much lost my respect forever, and it just continues to get worse and worse and worse. So the further you can get away from the NCAA, I mean, it, look, at this point, the NCAA, the only thing that they're good for, let's be honest with it, the only thing that they do well, and even this is up for debate, is they coordinate championships amongst these sports. Okay? They're able to coordinate championships. They're able to, you know, to coordinate all these things, whether it be gymnastics or basketball or whatever. But even then, last year, a willful disrespect to women's basketball. I mean, it was... It was willful and intentional. They specifically looked at it and said, uh, you know what, nobody's watching. We don't care. Here's your crappy ballroom to go play your tournament in in these cities. I, like, it was, <laughs> it was ridiculous, to be perfectly honest with you. And if you were following uh, Adia Barnes and the women's basketball team throughout it, they didn't, look, they didn't put up much of a stink. There were a lot of other programs out there that were, but – our girls were more focused on winning a championship because that's what they were, their championship-caliber team. But certainly it could not be ignored. The NCAA dropped the ball on that. So even when I say that the NCAA is only good for crowning champions and, and conducting tournaments and championship tournaments and, and uh, games, even they screw that up. It's their, it's their one thing that they've done well over the years, and even now, now they're screwing that up. So the further you can get away from them, I think is is going to be the best move for this whatever it becomes. And I have a name for it. So when the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC form this alliance, whatever, whatever that looks like for all of their sports, the American Athletics Alliance, the AAA, I got the name for it. 
Okay, you got coast to coast. You got the ACC. You got you know you got the Atlantic Coast. You got the Midwest with the Big Ten, the heartland of America. You got the West Coast out here with the Pac-12. Covers America, right? The American Athletics Alliance, the AAA. I think you can work with that. I think you can work with the American Athletics Alliance or something. Maybe I don't know. Maybe AAA, the, the actual organization. Maybe they get upset about it. Who cares? Figure out something. But I, I like the name personally. Just came up with it this morning. How do you get away from the NCAA? That's the hard part. Like that's that's the really difficult part. You have to have you have to have money. I mean, you have to you have to have money to break away. And look, you're still going to need the NCAA, as I mentioned, to run championships and tournaments and things like that for the other schools. I mean, for the other uh, the other sports. How do you generate the money? Well, you got to come up with a great business plan for how you're going to move forward with wowing these television executives to bring your product on. The interesting thing to note here is the, the, the conference commissioners of these three conferences are all relatively brand new. Okay? ACC conference uh, commissioner, only been in seat for two and a half years, three, maybe three years now. Big Ten commissioner, been there for 18 months. George Kalyabkov's been there for uh, two months. Took over in July. July 1st was essentially his first day. Uh, he's been doing some things previous to that, but his first day officially was July 1st. He's been there less than two months. So they're all babies in the world, essentially, in the grand scheme of things, all babies in the world of college athletics and conference alliances and things like that. They're going to work together. These three conferences, these three commissioners, already feel slighted because they were left out, and I mean completely left out of the conversation in regards to the college football playoff expansion. Completely left out. So when those when that four-member committee went into the room and said, this is what we're going to do, we're going to do a 12-team uh, format for the college football playoff, ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 had zero representation in that room. So they're already mad about that. Like, they're already upset. Then SEC walks in and breaks up the Big 12, leaving them in, in tatters and ultimately leading to the demise of the Big 12 conference. Okay, and a a very very well respected guy in the, you know the commissioner that's that's the commissioner of the Big Twelve, of course, of uh, a, a highly a highly respected uh, commissioner, leaving him like wondering what the hell to do. So the feeling that the SEC got a little too big for their britches is very prominent among the other conferences. The SEC couldn't care less; they really couldn't. They're thumbing their nose at everybody. They're like, we're about to sign a huge ridiculously whatever million-dollar number deal we're about to sign with whomever wants to come courting our services, whether it be ESPN, NBC, streaming services, whatever whatever the likes, you know, whatever's out there, we're going to be the big dogs. These three conferences have to find a way to combat that. Because if, you, if they don't, it, they're going to be just mired in, in I don't want to say anonymity, but... I think irrelevance will be part of the conversation there, you know, and at what point does the SEC just say we're done? I mean, the, the SEC has basically already said we're done with the NCAA. I mean, they – Greg Sankey, their commissioner, basically already already came out and said, you know, uh, what, did, what, was he, what did he say? Our identity stands alone when asked about how the NCAA is going to impact the structure of their conference. 
And he literally answered the question with, our identity stands alone. <laughs> so they're out. Like, they're, like they're, they're, they got you know, one foot out the door, and, and the other one is, you know, slamming the door shut. So <laughs> they've already made their, made their move. Do I think it's important that the the new, you know, if if they go with my name, the American Athletics Alliance? So I think it's important that they stick with the NCAA. I think for certain reasons, yes, but other, they need to be a lot of changes in Indianapolis for that to happen. And I don't know if if the people in Indianapolis are willing to do that. They have to be willing to change, make drastic changes to the way things have been done for the years, and and to be honest with you, how things have gotten worse specifically over the last three to five years from Indianapolis. Just a a total lack of commitment to doing anything the right way, to be honest with you. (laughs) That's that's the way I look at it. That's the way I view the NCAA. And in certain ways, I applaud the SEC for wanting to get away from that and having the ability to do that, but not everybody can, can, can do that. There's 16 schools, going to be 16 schools in that conference, and they're going to be able to live their life that way. The other, well, as far as Division One basketball goes, you, you subtract those 16, you got 314 schools playing Division One basketball. you got 114 schools playing Division One football, and you subtract those. So those schools are going to have to find ways to make things work with the NCAA because right now they don't have a choice. But the big three that are remaining can essentially start to work their own destiny as well. It's going to take more time. And they're going to be able to. They're going to do find creative ways to make more money, but I think eventually, that's what you have to do. You have to become this mega swell and cover the gamut of eyeballs across this country, from East Coast to West Coast and everywhere in between. ESPN Tucson invites you to the Sierra Auction. It's going to be a live, in-person public preview today, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's located at. 3911 North Highway Drive in Tucson. There you can register online. It's free. Go to SierraAuction.com. It is open to the public. There's no dealer license required. You can shop on your own. And then starting tomorrow at 8 a.m., you can go to the website and you can start bidding on the deals and get the the deals that you deserve only at SierraAuction.com. If you need more information, you can always check out our website at ESPNTucson.com as well. More after this, we'll talk some NBA and The Arizona Coyotes get a disrespectful slap to the face by the city of Glendale. That's next. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Don't miss NFL coverage two each weekday right here on ESPN Tucson. It's brought to you by Barrio Brewing Company. Barrio Brewing Company, Arizona's oldest brewery, celebrating 30 years of brewing right here in the state of Arizona. Now, one thing I will say before I close this conversation out, because we'll have more to talk about next week once this proposed alliance does actually make an official announcement, and some are saying that it could be coming as early as next week, I will say this. You are not right, you are not wrong if you choose one side or the other. Are you someone who would prefer college athletics to be uh, an amateur, uh, the, the same amateur status that they've been for the better part of 150 years, where we see all kinds of student athletes on campus competing in multitudes of sports between, you know, anywhere between 20, 21, 22, 25 sports on campus. 
and continues to focus on developing the young people of America to uh, to expand their learning horizons by using athletics as their fuel? Or are you someone who wants to see college athletics turn into the minor leagues of football and basketball? Because that's where the SEC is going. Okay, the SEC is is going to be the the you know the the football conference of America, whatever they're going to be called, the the football training camp, or who knows? That's basically what that's that's basically what they're going for. I would be surprised if there are more than ten sports being competed upon on those campuses of the SEC schools by 2030. I'd be surprised. They're all they're all going to be gone because they're only going to care about the the sports that can make them the most money. They couldn't care less about the other sports. Go, go play somewhere else. We're, we're a football school. I mean, literally, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a proving ground for future pro athletes is basically the way I look at it. And, look, you are neither right nor wrong choosing which, you know, which product you prefer. I personally prefer the, the former. I prefer the, the way that things are being done now as amateur athletes competing in multitudes of sports on campus getting their education, and then worrying about their professional careers after they're done with their college careers. That's just me. The city of Glendale has announced that um, <laughs> the Coyotes are they, they're basically kicking the Coyotes out. They're, they're evicting the Arizona Coyotes from their building, the Gila River Arena in Glendale, meaning that the Coyotes are going to need to vacate the arena by June 30th of next year, meaning that the 2021-22 season will be the final season in that building, a building that they've played in for the last 18 years. It was a a uh, look a, a city lease essentially. It was a, a year-to-year lease. The city could have terminated at any time. Either either side could have terminated at any time. That was part of the agreement from from day one. It was year-to-year. Glendale and the Coyotes you know, got into this partnership, and they you know they decided look if the Coyotes get a better deal somewhere else they can leave. If the city of Glendale gets a better deal, they can kick the Coyotes out. Apparently, that time has come. Apparently, the city of Glendale feels that they are going to get more, they're going to be able to make more money by having other events inside the Gila River, uh, Gila River Arena by, and, and you know, not having to, to have 42 NHL games there uh, every single year. I don't know what exactly they're thinking about because with, Concerts being canceled left and right. We don't know what the future brings. There have been a lot of concerts that have been scheduled. People have bought tickets for concerts and only have them them canceled because the band doesn't want to play or the city or the state has more strict uh, you know, regulations as far as you know, masking and, and, and uh, you know, vaccination, proof of vaccination and all these kinds of things. But I will tell you this, that the city of Glendale has been, I, I guess, I guess we'll call it an eyesore. They've been an embarrassment to the to Maricopa County for a long time. Um, it's a horribly, horribly run city. They have proven time and time again that they honestly don't have much leadership, and the leadership that they do is corrupt, and it's been an issue with the city of Glendale for years, years and years and years. They are an embarrassment to the city of Phoenix, the, the county, you know, Maricopa County. They have made consistent decisions that have put them behind the eight ball and they believe apparently that the foot traffic that they have at that dump that they have built there in the west valley is going to be 
greater than having a, a an NHL program, an NHL team playing in that building. Maybe it's going to be a spirit Halloween store year-round or something. I don't know. They've, they've obviously got it all figured out. They're going to have monster truck rallies every single weekend or something. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever they've decided on, they said that they feel that they can get 22 events in that building to make them more money than the Coyotes are. Okay, granted, yes, the Coyotes are not making them much money. There's not a whole lot of fans going to games. Part of it, I, I live in the Valley, okay? It takes me an hour to an hour and a half. I'm not kidding. I'm not, I'm not joking. An hour to an hour and a half to get from my house to Gila River Arena in Glendale because the freeway system here is so bad during rush hour traffic heading west. It is, it's absolutely, it's horrible. And I don't even live that far east. Like, I, like people that live out even further east than I do, like East Mesa and Gilbert and Queen Creek and stuff, they got no chance of making those games before. they got to leave two hours before the game starts. Nobody's going to do that. People go to football games because there's eight of them a year. They're on Sunday. You can prepare for that. And it's first of all, it's football. Second of all, it's, it's on a Sunday. You've, you've got much time to prepare for it. You go in the mornings when there's a lot less traffic. It's not rush hour. It's a horrible setup. Like, they were set up to fail from the beginning, but they had no choice. 20 years ago, when they had to make that decision after you know, legislators and stuff pulled their offers from Scottsdale and everything, Teddy's said, like, we've got to have a place to play. We'll go to Glendale. They're going to give us a free building to play in. Let's do that. Ever since then, city of Glendale has completely continued to drop the ball. Um, I, I've been to the city center over there numerous times. I know business owners who have opened businesses there. I know personally business owners that have opened businesses and closed businesses because they couldn't get enough foot traffic there, regardless of the season, regardless of it being summertime, wintertime, fall, spring, regardless of the Coyotes games. That was the only time they were ever busy was when Coyotes fans were there. I've been there when there's not a game going on. There's nobody there. But apparently – City of Glendale is going to sprinkle in a magical 60,000 people a weekend over there uh, in, in, that, uh, in that city center that's going to make them a lot more money than having the Coyotes. Look, it's a horrible plan. It's a horrible idea, but I wouldn't expect anything less from the city of Glendale. So the Coyotes are now going to be looking for a new place to play. What does that mean for the Coyotes? The threat of them leaving Arizona is ever looming. We, we've, this has been a problem for 15 years with the Coyotes. I still think as long as Gary Bettman is the commissioner of the NHL that the Coyotes are safe here in the state of Arizona. He, he likes having the Coyotes here. They've subsidized. The, the league took ownership of the Coyotes for a year, right, just to keep them in Arizona. So there's a, there's a focus on keeping the Coyotes in Arizona. Gary Bettman wants them here. He wants to keep them here. It's important for him. Where do the Coyotes play? Well, we'll find out. But it's going to be their last season at, uh, at Gila River Arena in Glendale. Good riddance, uh, honestly. I anywhere, and I mean this, anywhere would be better. Even if just not having to deal with the legislators in the city of Glendale or the city of Glendale itself, or and whatever else that they have they've had to deal with over the years, I can only imagine. All right, stay tuned because sometime in the next twenty minutes, I've got that other pair of tickets to go see Gabriel Iglesias in concert in the Beyond the Fluffy Comedy Tour. Coming up after the break, we'll talk about some NFL preseason as a familiar face was showing out on TV last night. That's next. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. 
All right, let's do it again. Our second pair of tickets to go see Gabriel Iglesias. Saturday, November 13th at the Casino del Sol, the AVA Amphitheater. Call now, 520-719-1490. That's 719-1490. You, uh, well, third caller, take the third caller, and uh, you will win a pair of tickets to go see the Beyond the Fluffy Comedy Tour as Gabriel Iglesias comes to Tucson November 13th. Good luck and enjoy. NFL preseason action last night. There wasn't a whole lot. Obviously, there was just one game going on, but uh, that one game, we got to see a whole lot of a good old friend, of a familiar face, is J.J. Taylor showing out on the game last night as the Patriots destroy the Philadelphia Eagles. Look, that's that's what it looks like, okay? <laughs> that's what it looks like when the ones go versus the twos for an entire half, and the ones of one team are far superior to the twos of another team. Like you got a, you got a good team. I think the Patriots are a playoff team this year, and you got the Eagles, who I think are going to be the worst team in the NFC East this year. Ones versus twos, you get a thirty-five nothing blowout. And J.J. Taylor was having the time of his life, <laughs> to quote one of my favorite sports uh, moments, uh, the Vance Joseph, <laughs> the Vance Joseph interview from Monday Night Football. Always so good. J.J. Taylor having the time of his life last night as he went off for 145 all-purpose yards, got him uh, 93 yards rushing, got some receiving yards, some yards in the return game. He's going to be the lead uh, punt and kick returner probably this year for the Patriots, and we'll obviously get to see some rotations in the offense as well. And uh, he put a a defender on spin cycle last night as J.J. Taylor going down the field, gets one-on-one with a tackler, and then he's gone. Like, that was it. Like, he – J.J. Taylor was there, and then he wasn't, and it's really unfair because I've seen J.J. do that before in an Arizona uniform, and uh, it's uh, it was fun to see. J.J.'s got that, that low center of gravity, those quick feet, and that quick acceleration, which allow him to do things. And look, J.J. loves contact. Like he's J.J. Taylor was never a guy that shied away from contact. He loved to mix it up. He'd bowl guys over. He loved doing that kind of stuff, and it was good to see him mix it up last night. And he played extremely well. And, uh, he look, he's thought of very highly on that team. He's absolutely making the 53-man roster. He will dress on Sundays. He'll be one of the 46 men to dress on Sundays, and he will be playing on Sundays in the NFL for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. So all the best to J.J. Taylor. Looking great out there. Stay healthy, young man. Um, hopefully he gets his rest in uh, in week number three of the preseason and can go out there and start making making differences when it matters in week one of the NFL season. <laughs> I thought this was pretty funny. I thought this was pretty good. So ESPN and, you know, look, all the, a lot of writers, they use their, their connections to talk to people. They have scouts or executives or general managers or coaches that they like to talk to, assistant coaches, head coaches, whatever, in whatever league they happen to cover. They talk to them in the offseason. They're like, let's do an anonymous, you know, I want to get your thoughts on this. Tell me who this is. Tell me who the favorite, your favorite player is. Tell me who the best player is. Who's, who's the worst player? Who's the you know, worst player you've ever dealt with? Blah, 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 blah. And you see all these things. Well, Tim, uh, Tim Bontop of ESPN decided to talk to some league executives and some scouts and ask them to vote on some things, such as, uh, it was basically like a survey, okay, such as, the league's best player. Now, he only talked to 10 executives, so it's not a huge sample size, but an omission on the NBA's best player 
was glaring as five of the votes went to Giannis Antetokounmpo, who showed that he was otherworldly and in a, a different kind of human being during the NBA uh, playoffs, specifically in the finals against the Suns, and Kevin Durant, who carried Team USA to gold. And we all know how good he is on a basketball court. I mean, there's, just, there's no denying it. So those two basically split the votes, 5-5. Five, five. Now, I notice I did not mention certain players like Steph Curry, uh, if you want to put Russell Westbrook on that list. And I also did not put they also, or I also did not mention LeBron James because he wasn't mentioned in the survey. And, of course, LeBron took to Twitter, as he always does, and made sure that he, you know, people knew that he was watching and he was reading. He says, thank you, in all caps, as if I didn't need more emoji, fuel, uh, fuel pump emoji, as if I didn't need more fuel pump emoji, me, I don't know what fuel... If I didn't need more to fuel me, me, in capital letters, all caps, me, uh, hashtag washed emoji king's crown. Not surprised. Not surprised at all. Uh, he's, he's a petty individual. He really is. And he does this all the time. So congratulations to these executives for omitting uh, omitting LeBron James. I, I'm not saying that I agree with them. I still think LeBron is one of the best players on the planet. Um, I wrote a trivia question last week for the for the company that I do. I, you know, we do trivia here up here in the valley. Wrote a trivia question last week that just blew some people away. That LeBron James has the most NBA seasons, averaging 25 or more points per game, of anybody in the history of the sport, and he has 17 of them. 17 seasons where he's averaged 25 or more points per game. And the only season in his career where he didn't was his rookie year. So he's had 17 consecutive seasons averaging 25 or more points per game. Now you may wonder, where are the other guys on the list? Nobody else has more than 12. Kobe, 12. MJ, 12. Kareem, 12. Karl Malone, 11. Like, nobody's even close. What's the name of the game in the NBA? Score the, score, score the ball. Get buckets. Score points. That's what the game is. And the, the, the game of basketball is all about who can outscore the other team. That's what it is. So LeBron James being omitted from that list, is, you know, obviously, look, if you had asked more than 10 people in the league, <laughs> I'm sure that he would have made it on that list somehow, some way. Other things in that survey that were interesting, um, the best move of the offseason was overwhelmingly Kyle Lowry to the Miami Heat. Don't have any, uh, I, I agree, honest with you. Uh, but interestingly enough, um, one, somebody said, one executive said that the, wish, the Washington Wizards trading away Russell Westbrook was the best move of the offseason. And then couple that with the fact that a few of these executives also agreed that the worst move of the offseason was the Lakers bringing Russell Westbrook in, <laughs> which I can't disagree with. I, I, told, I wholeheartedly agree with them. I think it's a... I think it's a ridiculous move. It's a desperate move, and I think it's the wrong move, and I think it will doom them, to be honest with you. So interesting little uh, little uh, tidbits there. Also, I thought maybe one executive being a little petty themselves with when they voted on the most surprising move of the offseason was Chris Paul's re-signing with the Phoenix Suns. And basically, this person was like, it, you know, it, it surprised me not only because of the money that he got, but that he stayed in Phoenix. 
Like, why wouldn't he stay in Phoenix? So, we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on. Of course, the NBA season it's already upon us. Preseason starts in a few weeks, and uh, then the regular season is going to start October twentieth for these uh, for these teams. So, be ready for that NBA action coming up, and uh, we'll obviously keep an eye. Very very important here in the Western uh, Western Conference. Keep an eye on everything that's going on with the world of the NBA. We're going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Do you have what it takes to be on the air and do what we do? Well, you're going to have a chance to uh, to find out and prove yourself. It's 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson and Tucson Appliance. Go searching for the next big radio star, and it could be you. Submit a video to us. Get your video to us at ESPNTucson.com. The video needs to be 60 seconds or less showing us your chops. Show us how good you are. Your video could even get played on the air during the uh, Spears and Ali show every weekday afternoon from 3 to 6, and the grand prize winner will earn themselves a guest spot on the Spears and Ali show during the uh, during a weekly segment on the show to talk whatever burning uh, topics are out there, whether it be NFL, college, or who knows. Voting is going to start August 27th. I hope that I'm not shut out of the voting much the same way the Pac-12, ACC, and the, uh, the Big Ten were shut out of the voting in the college football playoff expansion. A Star is Born on ESPN Tucson, brought to you by Tucson Appliance only. At Tucson Appliance, where our low prices are your priority. Congratulations to D'Angelo Riley. D'Angelo Riley was our winner of the second set of Gabriel Iglesias tickets that we had up for uh, up for today. Congratulations, D'Angelo. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. And uh, enjoy the show on November 13th. Quickly, before we get out of here, you know, got one, one you know, little uh, couple minutes here basically to to touch on some things. I don't have any more news to get into today. The news portion of the show is over. I want to go back to something that I talked about in the first segment in hour number one, and that is supporting this football program. And you can support the football program tomorrow night by going out to the live scrimmage under the lights at Arizona Stadium that they're going to be having for for the fans there. Now, this is going to be your last chance, your last opportunity to see the team before they take the field on September 4th in Las Vegas against BYU. So for many people, it will be their last chance to see the team in person before the September 11th home game uh, when they, once they return home to play San Diego State. This program, this coaching staff, you need to remember to separate them from the previous regimes. Previous regimes who chose and willfully chose to neglect the community, neglect the Alumni neglect its former letter winners. I talked to former letter winners of Arizona football, and, and we're not talking about, you know, a walk-on who was a, a you know the, the fourth-string punter on the practice squad for one season. Talking about prominent members, prominent letter winners of this program, who were basically told, "Don't bother coming to campus. We got nothing here for you. We don't have any gear for you. We don't. You know, we're really not entertaining." former letter winners here. We're, we're, we're too busy looking to the future. <laughs> this regime under Coach Jed Fish and his assistants have embraced the community. They have done 
everything in their in their will uh, since they since they got here in December to ingratiate themselves with the community with former letter winners. They've invited former letter winners back. I've seen more former U of A football players on campus in the last six months than I've seen in the last six years. That's truth. It's just it, it's it's a way to do things. It's a it's and it's something. Look, I read the the comment sections of websites. I read Twitter. I talk to people. I love talking to the community in Tucson. I have a lot of friends down there, family. I love talking to the fans. The number one complaint is that there's no feeling of community. They don't feel close to the programs here. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity to show the appreciation for finally one football regime coming in, one staff coming into this football program and saying, we want you to be a part of the program. You can show your appreciation by coming out tomorrow night and having some fun. It's free fun. It's free. The weather's going to be beautiful. Come on down. Enjoy the scenery. Enjoy our program and embrace our program. I'll get off my soapbox now. That's going to wrap things up for this week's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Congratulations to, again, our winners, Pete Dwyer, D'Angelo Riley, got themselves some tickets to go see Fluffy. Thanks to Mary, Mireya, behind the uh, glass. We're pushing all the buttons to keep me on the air today, and we'll see you guys again Monday morning at 7 a.m. for the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back Monday morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson.